in my life, I can tell you, and I tell this story, I've not experienced racism or discrimination. I never felt that I was denied something because of anything other than my actions. My point is, it's while you may say there's such a thing as privilege because you're being white, I say I have privilege because of moral striving. Hello everyone, I'm Armstrong Williams and welcome to The Strong Cast and the special edition of The Armstrong Williams Show. Thank you so much for watching us today. What do you see when you look at this panel and you assume what we're gonna talk about today? You know, unless any of the guys said one word about their background and what they do for a living, you have no idea who they are. Absolutely nothing about who they are. But now, if you buy into this thing we call identity politics, you would say he's a white male. He's an athlete. Maybe. Still trying to figure out what he is. <laughs> and you'll say he looks like Mr. Academic. Okay? This is what we do when we stereotype people. You could also say that these guys are the face of everything that's wrong with America. They become the new minority. Uh, it's so easy to blame white men for what's wrong with America today. They're the source of all the issues of discrimination, why you can't get an opportunity. And what we're going to do in the strong cast today, we're going to do something that's very different. Um, because what we're doing, we're breaking down barriers today. Um, and I want to talk about identity politics and stereotypes. Now, I bet you could not guess which, which one of these guys graduated from Harvard. Among us is someone who absolutely graduated from Harvard. And you might be surprised. Uh, no, I, you would not be surprised if you get out of just stereotyping people and allowing people to tell their story. You also assume that these guys here never experienced racism. Because if you're white in America, you've never experienced racism. You've never had problems in life. Maybe you had a little sickness, a little emotional trauma with relationships. But if you look like these guys, you never had any kind of issues in life. Life has been like the yellow brick road and everything has been so perfect. And you've never had to deal with anything except success. And you just go home and just count the Benjamins. Now you look at my brothers here. Your story is supposed to be one of struggle, of strife, of poverty. And just cannot get a break in America. And I guess they will say that police probably profile you all the time. Um, the banks don't always give you loans. I'm just going to tell you, this is what we become as Americans. You know, so listen, don't, don't listen to me. I'm not going to even introduce the guys right now. Is there anything that I've said so far that does not resonate with you? It makes sense. I think a lot of people will feed into identity politics and they find a narrative that matches their thinking when issues or major events around the world come up. But usually the real story is more in depth. And you started to scratch the surface of that. So what about you? Well, I think you, you just nailed me. You, you got everything right. No, I think, that, I think that adversity is adversity. I think that my adversity is different than your adversity. But I think it's how we deal with that adversity. How would your adversity be different from my adversity if you don't know my adversity? Exactly right. That's my point. My adversity is different than your adversity, meaning you wouldn't know this by looking at me, but I struggle with type 1 diabetes, which is a very serious disease that very much impacts my life. And so I make decisions in my life that re reflect uh, me responding to that, quote unquote, adversity. And it's how I deal with that that helps me be successful. 
that would be what my initial thought was to what, to what you were saying. <laughs> this is weird for you, right? It's out of the ordinary for you, right? Out of ordinary, just I like a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, I, I like how you started it off, but I, I think that uh, once again, people are products of their environment. They're products of their upbringing, and a lot of times they don't get out that box. So you can look at four people and think that person is this, this person is that. But unless you have a conversation with them, you really don't know. No, no. So let me ask you this: What is this thing, white privilege? You probably know more about it than anybody else. What is white privilege? I think it is an unavoidable reality that we live in a world where perception, in some cases, inform how you're treated and how people's behaviors toward you uh, are coming to reality. So if you think about me coming into a situation, you mentioned a bank seeking to get a loan. Perhaps I don't have the financial wherewithal on my own and I don't have the family background to be able to secure uh, the lending capacity that I need to start a business, and he may have it. Now, there's nothing inherent about the bank, but there's a history and there's a legacy of what has happened to me and people like me and what's happened to people like him that informs his ability to be able to start a business and raise capital and uh, service his debt and gain the confidence of people who can help him get to that next level of achieving the American dream. So I would say that Maybe the media conflates it with other issues or inflates it in some senses because it's convenient and it's easy for people to understand. But in some sense, it's, it's rooted in reality. I don't say that it's the cause of everything that happens that's bad. But in some senses, we have to look at it uh, and be fair about our judgment. And starting and growing businesses, which I know we're going to talk about later today, there's some reality in there that we have to be aware of and maybe seek to ask our elected leaders to help level the playing field. Where would you challenge him? Well, I, I, I don't think I would challenge him. I mean, I think that, you know, you talked about... Uh, do you think you're privileged because of the hue of your skin? Do you think yeah, you're I, special? I, I do think that I have been privileged in, life, in all kinds oh, of... Oh, my ways. goodness. In all kinds of... Because of the hue of your skin? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, look, Armstrong, you talked about the individual experience of people, and I think people's individual experience varies, but what we know is, you know, for every dollar in savings the average white family has in this country, African-Americans have seven cents, Latinos have nine cents. It didn't just happen, it didn't happen certainly because black people or Latinos are less talented than white people. It happened because we have a history of discrimination in this country, there's ongoing discrimination. You have certain advantages when you're born uh, white, you have certain advantages when you're born male. It doesn't mean uh, that your life is easy, you have your own adversity. Or that I'm you're necessarily one. at fault when these things happen. I'm a type 1 diabetic as well, but I've always had health insurance. I've always been able to afford my insulin. Not everybody has that. Yeah, but I think that the problem with what you're saying, though, is, is that you're looking to something else other than the person. You're, you're saying look to Washington, D.C. to help um, solve this problem. Well, look, I'll tell you one thing. Because we passed Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, people have $1,400 more this year to do with what they want. That's more than they had last year. Three million people got $1,000 more of raises last year because of better policy coming out of Washington, D.C. That's real stuff. And that comes back to my point in saying with you have a choice as to what you do with what you are given and what you're not given. And, and with government policy, the less of it is better for people. The less of it is better. Now, I, I, go think, ahead, go I ahead. think privilege is having the benefit of the doubt. Right. So uh, uh, most minorities don't have the benefit of the doubt. 
whether it's financial, whether it's upbringing, whether it's police stops, whether it's anything, you don't have the benefit of the doubt. Whereas some people get arrested, <laughs> some, some people get out in three months, some people get out in 30 years. So it's privilege in general from the standpoint of you don't have the benefit of the doubt. And generally, historically, uh, their white privilege has been a, a pretty cool thing to have, historically. Uh, By the way, and just one second, I didn't choose diabetes, neither did you, right. nor did we choose our skin color. That is true. We were put on here with the circumstances we were given, and that's my point. We do with it what we can with what we have. Right. But, but studies show that your zip code determines your economic mobility in life, where you were born, just that simple factor determines whether or not later in life uh, you're able to do well by yourself. You know, black men of a very high income tend to end up with a lesser income and incarcerated as compared to their white male peers. So there is such a thing as discrimination. I think you'd be, have to be blind and not notice it in our society. It's ongoing. The racial wealth gap hasn't closed. It's gotten worse. The home ownership gap between black people and white people hasn't closed. It's stayed the same. There are certain, uh, I think, you know, if disprivilege is a word, then, then there is a disprivilege uh, associated with being a, a minority in America. It doesn't mean that white people have it easy. It doesn't mean that there aren't poor white people. By the way, there are 20 million poor white people in this country. Mm -hmm. It's a significant group of people, uh, many of whom are not privileged. I, I don't like the term white privilege because I think a lot of white people think, well, I'm not that privileged. Uh, you know, if they're poor and, and grow up someplace where there's not a lot of opportunity, they probably don't feel privileged. When we say that, we think in average, on average, uh, how well are people doing? And when you look at the statistics, when you look at how people are doing, I think it's hard to deny that there is some privilege associated with being white. And I think uh, earlier you talked about the benefit of the doubt. I attended the University of Pennsylvania. I attended Harvard University. Conversations around affirmative action and whether I was a recipient were commonplace for people who were nice, good, progressive, liberal people who still being white, thought everyone here who's of a darker hue is beneficiaries of a system that just says, we don't care about your qualifications. Come on in. We're making up for the white guilt that some people at the administrative or trustee level have felt and put this policy into place. I had to address that, not knowing that I was a stellar student, a three-star varsity captain in high school, elected to student government, it was, you're black. So you're probably an affirmative action person. You don't agree with the system, do you? It, it was unconscionable conversations that I didn't get the benefit of the doubt, that I had to prove myself, that I had to show what my SATs were, what my high school grades were. I, you didn't have to do that in college. I'm just going to venture a guess. You didn't have to do that in college. I'm going to venture a guess. What, what, what mental impact does that have? And what are the implications, not just not in just this four-year college settings, but beyond in the professional world. Oh, you're an affirmative action hire. I mean, th these things continue to roll through society. They have an impact on the person who thinks, what is this system and how do people view me? And what people at the management level think in terms of you know, moving people up the ranks. But so let me in, in, inject something in this, in this conversation. You listen to the strong cast with your host Armstrong Williams. But right now, our guests will remain nameless. Uh, I guess he'll tell you a little about his background, you know, who's graduated from Harvard. But I want to take this conversation somewhere because I must tell you, I am actually speechless in many ways. Um, and, and, I, and I'll tell you why is that, you know, 
I grew up in the Deep South, yes, <clears throat> on my parents' farm, a big farm at that. And, you know, my parents were not poor, definitely not. Any of my brothers and sisters that wanted to go to college, even though I had scholarships, my parents paid it out of their hard-earned money out of their wallet. Hmm. In my life, I can tell you, and I tell this story all, I've not experienced racism or discrimination. I never felt that I was denied something because of anything other than my actions. My point is, it's why you may say there's such a thing as privilege because you're being white. I say I have privilege because of moral striving and because of the parent that the legacy that my parents left for us. And while many people can ascribe to what we're describing today, just because someone is black in America is a racist assumption to assume that they're discriminated against and denied things because they're black. And it's also crazy to assume just because someone is white, they're not stopped by the police. Um, they're not discriminated against their, because they're white and they're not denied things between their white. And while we could talk about what we experience that is the majority, but no two people are the same. And you know, I've gone through the business ranks to the point where I have many, on many television stations around the country. And I've been in the room, I've never felt slighted. And if I did, it was not irrelevant. It was irrelevant to me because I've always known who I am. And it's irrelevant what people think. And if there's such a thing as white privilege, there's gotta be black privilege, Asian privilege, privilege for women. It just doesn't stop just because somebody just say they have privilege. It's all about what you believe about yourself and what you've been taught and what you've seen in terms of the images growing up in your own household. And my parents taught us that we were equal. Uh, and I've always believed that. So while and you have every right to believe that you've had white privilege and you've had opportunities that blacks have not had, that may be true in your case, but that doesn't speak for the whole of, of blacks in this country. That doesn't speak for the whole of blacks in this country. I can agree to that. Um, I just think some people feel as though that there is something called white privilege. There is something called black privilege. There is something called Asian privilege. For me personally, um, yes, I've experienced racism before. <laughs> uh, yes, I felt in instances where I was slighted out of scenarios uh, before, but it builds character to where you are now. I think everything is action reaction. Um, so do I, do I believe there's some form of privilege? Absolutely, 100%, um, just based off my experiences. I You can't say the same for yourself, but for me, I believe there was some form of privilege involved in certain scenarios that I went through. Can I say, I, I was privileged to have a mom and dad. Yes. I was privileged to have a good church with good mentors who kicked my butt when they needed to and who um, congratulated me when I did something right. I was, I was privileged to have that. Now, relive that life experience with darker skin. Right. Is there anything different? So what I'm saying is, is, is anybody who's empowered by someone else that they know interpersonally, whether it be a mentor, whether it be a father, anybody who is empowered by someone other than within the Beltway in Washington, DC, I believe is set up for success in life because it's hard to fail when you have someone who believes in you. And I think that that really is the difference. That was a difference in my life. It was a difference in my life. I know a lot of kids I graduated with who had the same quote unquote privilege that you would put on me that I had who haven't done what I've done, so. Right, but play out the hypothetical, relive that in a darker hue of skin. Yeah. 
same family, same support, same system, sure. would you have had the same life experience? Sure. Yeah, but before he answers that, but before he answers that, I don't that, know the answer. Do you think your life would have been better if you had a different pigmentation? I wouldn't say better, but it would have been a different life experience. But does that mean better? In some senses, it may have been <laughs> where is where where it may have been better. Uh, I guarantee you, no one would have ever assumed that I was an affirmative action case when I went to college. I can guarantee that for a fact. And I wouldn't have had people in the academic or professional context make whatever assumptions they've made. But but let's just take let's say if we just take race totally <laughs> out of this conversation now. What is it that makes the difference between where you are? and why most people try and strive to get there, which is the majority of people. There is something that we do beyond race and all these isms that we talk about mm -hmm. that make us successful, make us competitive, provide for our families and become consistent contributing citizens to society. Because we get so lost in race, but I will say, even if this is, let's just say if race is an issue, it cannot be more than 20% of why you succeed or why you fail. There's got to be something else, the other 80% that we don't spend enough time talking about. What is that 80%? It's actually defining a goal and working towards your goal without any hindrance and letting stuff get in your way. Um, if, if a lot of people just, I know this conversation got steered kind of oddly, but if a lot of people, to the point you're about to make, is say, okay, it's not about race, it's about me actually working hard and getting it done. Um, I think this day and age, this isn't the 60s, this isn't the 50s, this isn't the 40s, where you might have had some clear cut in your face, hardcore, hard nose, racism to contend with. You have the internet now. You, it, like literally eight hours a day, you can reach anyone in the United States. You're not limited by your education. You're not limited by the action that you take. Um, so if you block out a lot of things and focus on, you can be anybody you want to be within a year. You can pick up a language, you can start the business, you can get in shape, you can save a bunch of money, and there's no race stopping you from doing that because a lot of times you can do all that from the comfort of your own home. So I think it really kind of comes down to defining who you want to be and putting in the work to be that person. And of course, you're going to have struggles um, along the way, but they won't necessarily be a privilege or a race thing. I want to be a, a real man. And I learned this at a young age through one of my mentors. I want to reject passivity. I want to engage with God. I want to accept responsibility. And I want to lead courageously. I want to be a real man. And that's, that's what I'll say. I, I'd say I've benefited a lot from what you described earlier and having a mother and a father and mentors in a community that have been around me to let me know that whatever my dreams and focuses are, I can achieve them. I didn't grow up with a racial lens in any facet of my life. It was, what do you want to do? We are here. We're a family. We're going to help you focus. We're going to help you achieve your goals. And as long as you focus, and I think your priorities are on point through God, through family, through your community, you can achieve anything, whether that be in the field of law, medicine, uh, finance, business, whatever. Not letting yourself be limited by the circumstances around you, but having a good support system of people around you. I think that's exactly right. You know, growing up in a great place, place really matters. Your zip code has been shown to determine your economic mobility in life. Being surrounded by a support system, including your family, including people who care about you. You know, studies show that if you don't learn to read by the third or fourth grade, uh, your likelihood of going to prison, your likelihood of ending up on welfare are much higher. So if you don't have a good school, if you don't have people who read to you, who taught you to, to read, you know, until the fourth grade, you learn to read and then you read to learn. And throughout most of your life, those skills, that building block, 
uh, is really essential to your success in life. Um, and so, you know, I think those factors, in addition to a million other things, are, are what make people successful. Um, some part of it, though, is, is about your social network, who you know, who you're exposed to, what ideas, what kinds of people. And not everybody has that same opportunity. I think uh, I'm not saying, certainly wouldn't say that, uh, that there aren't extraordinary people who make it out of poverty or who make it out of their circumstance. But on average, people don't. On average, uh, you know, we know that if you start out in a certain place, in a certain neighborhood, uh, with a certain income, uh, you're more likely than other people to end up, uh, you know, not in a good place. But you can also say if you start out where drugs ruled your life and at a certain point you have not kicked the habit, you can kind of say that's going to be your destiny. You can say the same about alcohol. You can say the same thing if you were about an abuser. If you don't find a way to break that chain uh, of something controlling your life, it becomes a disease. And if you've been struggling with your finance and you continue to struggle with your finances and getting your finances in order by the age of 30 or 40 years old, I think it's pretty well to assume that you're going to be struggling the rest of your life with your finances. People establish patterns in their lives and these patterns becomes habits and these habits becomes exactly who they are it's how you break these habits and these cycles just like you may say i don't like the way the teacher teaches the class but you know what i'm gonna take that book home i'm gonna read it i'm gonna get a whole new focus i'm not gonna rich space to the negativity about why i think i can't learn i'm gonna find a way to learn so we find in lives every day, it's not that we're reinventing ourselves, but we find a way that will get away from the things that we see as negative and we turn them into as positives where we empower ourselves. Tell us your story, Dominique. Give us, tell us. So I'm finally introducing our so, guest now. Long story, a little less long. Give us, uh, a, give us your full name, Dominique. Dominique Brown. Brown. So I'm originally from uh, West Philadelphia, uh, born and raised. You're probably singing a little song there. Uh, so single parent household, um, grew up in a... Uh, amazing amazing mother she pretty much shielded me from that environment so uh we were poor but not poor poor to the point where you know you just need a you need to be on assistance but you make a little bit too much for assistance um but she sheltered me from that entire environment always had me in sports uh did everything my two next door neighbors didn't turn out so well i didn't realize that we were not in the best economic situation until i got much older um fast forward um She's working nine to five, six to two. She says, okay, we're going to college, you know, cause you need to be different, but you can't go anywhere in Pennsylvania, New Jersey or Delaware. Cause your family's here. You got to go to George Mason university. So little old me, I do it. Unbeknownst to me, it's a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, but my mother takes on the parent plus loans. Uh, fast forward. Then she goes through financial turmoil because she married uh, someone and they were not on the same page financially. So when that happened and your superhero, the person who took you out of a horrible situation and you know nothing about finances, you can't, you don't have the money to help them. You don't have the knowledge to help them. It, it really impacts you. At least it impacted me. And that was my catalyst for becoming um, financially free. And um, so essentially I started a uh, academy called the Your Finance to Simplified Academy, which was the principles that I taught my mother and myself to go from, you know, 500 credit score to I'm actually Mr. Perfect Credit Score. I have two 850s, highest in the nation. Wow. Um, so I teach people financial literacy, the stuff they should have learned in school, because I felt as though if I was taught this in high school or if my mother was taught this in high school and college, we don't succumb to uh, the things that we shouldn't succumb to. Right. So we're talking about principles of credit, 
home ownership, starting a business, building business credit, investing in the stock market, simple things that actually build, bridge the wealth gap. Um, you know, not to get all super political, but you know, there were civil rights and then there were silver rights. So I think if more people take a step back and get into their personal financial um, goals and things like that, you can bridge a wealth gap. You also can make your immediate family and your extenuating family extremely wealthy because it does not take that much money to actually be privileged by, by the next generation. Tim? I was born uh, in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, was raised uh, mom and dad in a solid church, um, and that was my community. Um, I was a dreamer. Told my dad at seven years old after listening to them scream at the liberally biased television, this is before cable news, um, that this is biased. I wanted to be a part of the fight, dad. I wanna be in the fight. I wanna be in DC. And uh, my dad became a partner in dreaming with me. And every little turn when I said I wanted to drop out of college to join a rock and roll band and go tour the nation, uh, he said, okay, I'll, I'll support you in that. Um, do you remember that conversation we had when you were seven? And um, that's, been, that's been my life. My, my dad is my hero because um, he partnered with me um, even through pretty um, tumultuous times, stupid times. And, and I'd say that that pretty much makes up a big part of who I am, my faith and my family. So. Marcus Goodwin. Marcus Goodwin. I'm from Washington, D.C., the fifth of eight kids in my family. My mother is an immigrant, came here from Senegal. My father from South Carolina came up here to attend Howard University. My parents split when I was little, but I was fortunate to have both of them here in Washington, D.C. to raise me. I learned a lot from three older brothers, three younger sisters, an older sister uh, as well, that whatever I wanted to be, I had a team around me. And the eight of us really sought to do whatever we could to be successful in life and achieve, achieve the things that we wanted. Uh, went to a private all boys school for high school, learned a lot from that experience, met a lot of people who lived different lives than me. I realized there were kids who were in families of one or two kids who had very nice cars and they weren't all piling into a Dodge Caravan every day and saw that there was better than what I saw every day. Uh, went on to follow a classmate to the University of Pennsylvania, learned a lot there about the world and saw myself getting into the world of finance and real estate. So went on to Wall Street to work for a couple years, came back home to Washington, D.C., uh, attended graduate school to study real estate development and have since seen and understood why some people are successful and have achieved success in this capitalist American dream society. Um, I hope to invest in my family and find ways to make them secure for generations to come. I'm really inspired to hear your story because I think we're striving after a lot of similar goals mm -hmm. and uh, finding our own ways to do it. Jesse. Jesse Van Tall. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, so also from the South and I'm, I'm the fourth of five kids. Uh, and we were, we were in that same category of, of pretty poor, but, uh, uh, but not quite poor enough uh, uh, to get help. And uh, my parents worked very hard to raise us. I think, uh, you know, when I was, uh, around 10, my mother went back to school, became a doctor. I was blessed in my life to have two parents who had a great education growing up, uh, who taught us all and really engaged with us and uh, uh, taught us a great many things. And uh, that's been an asset to me, my intellect, uh, my whole life, that upbringing uh, with two loving parents. Uh, uh, moved to Wisconsin, went to school at the University of Wisconsin, uh, got to pay $8,000 a year to get a great uh, public education. 
uh, you can't pay that same amount of money today at that same school uh, and get that, that, that great education that I got. So I've been, been fortunate uh, to have opportunity along the way as I've grown up. You know, you know it's interesting. Um, in the descriptions, it's just an American story. It's an American st story of, you know, struggle builds character. Your mother did what she could when she could. Mm -hmm. You stepped in. You were at a point where you could step in mm -hmm. when you struggled, and you continued the torch. And then you became the teacher. Because mm -hmm. life is like synchronicity. When the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. Sometimes we play the different roles. Our parents parent us, and then sometimes we parent our parents in old age. And so, but she passed something along with you. These stories are important. The strength and the wisdom of how to overcome. Because you know what you've defined here? Being rich has nothing to do with how much money you have in the bank. It has to do with what's instilled in you as a young person, how to fight, how to overcome, and also to understand right and wrong. What you all have implied here is that morality matters. Believing in something deeper than yourself, that it really matters. Having, being trustworthy and loyal and understanding that your network becomes your net worth. All that is important. There are no guarantees in life, but it gives you your best chance at realizing what people call this fictional, the American dream. And so in the end, it's really about the choices that we make because your parents get you to a certain point. But after that, you're on your own. And what happens to a lot of young people today, once they're on their own, they're not capable of providing for themselves. It's a frightening thought to say it's all about it's all on you now. High school and college is a safe haven. But when you have to go out and create and build something, uh, that is an awesome. And the good thing is you never stop building because there are always challenges. And the beautiful thing about life is how do you figure out those challenges, simplify it and make it work for you? Because no blueprint is the same. No individual is the same. Everyone is irreplaceable, but everyone has something that is so unique, that is so genius because God gave you that uniqueness. I want to thank all of you for joining us for this edition. Uh, our strong cast and the Armstrong Williams show. It was really a terrific conversation. I learned something here because I never dismiss anyone's story because in anyone's story, we can find something for ourselves to grow and make the world better. And it helps us understand who we are as human beings. I'm Armstrong Williams and thank you so much for joining us.